You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Cade Young. And I'm Nikki Stewart-Ingersoll. This is the WFHB Local News for Monday, December 20th, 2021. Later in the program, we provide an update on rising COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations across the state as Indiana identified its first known case of the Omicron variant. More in the bottom half of tonight's show. Also, coming up in the next half hour, one person died in a plane crash near the Monroe County Airport over the weekend. That's coming up next in your daily headlines. One person died in a plane crash near the Monroe County Airport on Friday evening. A report from the Indiana State Police says at about 8.15 p.m. on Friday, Monroe County Central Dispatch received 911 calls reporting that a plane had crashed in the area. Troopers and first responders were sent to the scene, and they located a single-engine fixed-wing plane on fire. Firefighters from the Van Buren Fire Department extinguished the fire. According to a press release from the Monroe County Coroner Office, The accident occurred in a wooded area off Tower Road, about two miles south of the airport. The coroner's office says one person was recovered from the remains of the aircraft and was pronounced dead on the scene. Due to the fire, identification of the person will need to be confirmed through DNA. ID has not been released as of Monday. The Federal Aviation Administration and the National Transportation Safety Board will take over the investigation with help from the Indiana State Police. At the Monroe County Community School Corporation board meeting on December 14th, the board heard public comments from concerned parents asking for more policies to ensure gun safety in Monroe County schools. Concerned parent Maria Douglas asked for the board to make security a priority on their agenda. MCCSC receives money from the Indiana Department of Homeland Security for the Secured School Safety Grant. They receive money, let's say that again, which pays for the full cost of the school resource officer. That is specifically why they are not changing the title of this position because they're getting money for it. I did some research and MCCSC is slated to receive $60,000 in grant awarded in 2022. There's no longer a true SRO program. So where's that money going? Give the SRO the tools that they need to do to keep our children safe and to do their work, let's work towards having a true SRO program. So drawing down the state funds is not disingenuous or perhaps fraudulent. Resident Laurel Kutchel suggested the school corporation work with the program Be Smart to help prevent gun violence through gun safety education. What I would like to talk to you about is some actual data points that would help, I think, prevent gun violence in school. Um, The direction I'd like to take you in is to talk to you about the program Be Smart, which is an independent campaign. Um, uh, The goal for Be Smart, pardon me, is the safe storage and secure of weapons. 
Um, in 2020, there was a 64% increase in gun sales in the United States. Up to 80% of guns used in school shootings come from a home of the child. 5.4 kids live in a home with a loaded and unlocked weapon. Access is our problem. Access to guns, if we don't get a hold of this and prioritize it, this is what we're gonna keep seeing. And we're gonna have all these parents here upset. And it's horrifying getting a text from your child they're in a lockdown at 8.42 on a Friday morning. And it's going to keep happening if we don't do something about the access. Be Smart is a campaign, like I said, to have a goal of safe storage. We've partnered with MCCSC in the past and have had pretty good relationships with elementary schools. North High School has been very receptive. Um, Mark Fletcher has not been receptive and hasn't responded to emails. I implore you to get proactive, especially like what we've seen in Michigan. The circle of responsibility is growing. We want parents to take more responsibility for firearms in their home. They have to be stored properly. They have to be secured. Be smart can come to your schools and talk to your parents. We can send resources home with them. We've partnered with the Bloomington Police Department and they've donated gun locks to us. We can set up tables at events. We can talk to people. We wanna normalize these conversations because the guns are here. They're not going away. We have to keep them secure so our students can't come to school with them. The next board meeting will be held early next year. Up next, we have some recent prison-related news and announcements from the producers of KiteLine our public affairs program devoted to prison issues in the Midwest and beyond. KiteLine airs each Friday at 5.30 p.m. on WFHB. The program is available online at wfhb.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Earlier today, prisoners held in Krabi Prison in Thailand rebelled, citing inadequate COVID-19 prevention measures. They demanded improved quarantine measures for those infected with the virus. Police shot at least 14 with rubber bullets, as prisoners burned a dormitory to the ground. 400 prisoners have been removed, leaving 1,700 still inside the prison. Malcolm Boatwright, age 28 died this morning at Bellevue Hospital after experiencing a quote-unquote medical issue at a jail facility on Rikers Island, according to corrections authorities. The city's medical examiner is currently probing the cause of his death. Boatwright had been in the Department of Correction custody for under a month. Boatwright's passing marks the 15th death of a person incarcerated in New York City in 2021, making this year the deadliest in New York City jails since 2016. Five of the deaths were suicides. Two of the 15 deaths took place outside of DOC custody because courts granted compassionate release before the detainee's deaths. In September, Isabdul Karim, age 42, passed away on Rikers Island due to health issues. While the primary cause of his death is unknown, his attorneys say he contracted COVID-19 while languishing in an intake area for more than a week. The next month, Victor Mercado, age 64, passed away at a hospital after contracting the virus according to his attorney and a jail medical staffer. Over the last year, Rikers Island and other New York City jails have had hundreds of corrections officers 
call out sick or fail to show up to work. Authorities have been unable to carry out basic jail operations, including health care, as a result. Jail authorities say conditions have marginally improved in recent weeks as they've cut down on staff absenteeism and had to force fewer officers to work triple shifts as a result. Between July and November of this year, city jails saw an 11% decrease in use of force compared to the same period in the five months before. During this time, the jails also experienced a 12% drop in the assault rate against staff. The average stabbing rate also declined by 12%, according to Department of Corrections officials. We're sad to report that Russell Maroon Schultz, who was recently given compassionate release after his decades in prison, has passed away. We'll have more on this next week. On Sunday, the state health department reported the first known COVID-19 case in Indiana involving the Omicron variant. Monroe County Health Administrator Penny Cottle says the county remains in the orange advisory category. All 92 of Indiana's counties are either in the orange or red in the state's color-coded map. Keep in mind that an orange advisory level means the seven-day positivity rate stands between 10 and 14 percent, while weekly cases per 100,000 residents lie somewhere between 100 and 199 new cases. For the red advisory category, it's 15 percent or greater for the seven-day positivity rate and 200 or more new weekly cases per 100,000 residents. Mayor John Hamilton said infections in city employees have risen to unprecedented levels. Again, our quick update on uh, local uh, employment stats. We had nine more positive employee cases this week uh, with the 11 last week. That makes 20 in two weeks. That's a level of uh, infection that we have not seen before. Uh, So that's very concerning. The CBU, City of Bloomington Utilities numbers that I share were pretty steady uh, at the um, pretty elevated rate, 160 at Blucher and 600 at Dillman in terms of um, RNA copies per 100 milliliters. Um, Those are uh, up substantially from what they were a few weeks and have been steady for about two or three weeks now. We continue to prepare for the Occupational Safety and Health Administration OSHA rules um, uh, working to be sure we're ready for that going forward to assure that our employees either are vaccinated or are testing regularly to protect against uh, the further spread of that disease at the workplace. That being said, there is a lot of concern about the next several weeks. Uh, Of course, folks watching the news can see that uh, as we watch Omicron and as we see the surge happening in Indiana in our area. Uh, we are literally canceling office parties. We did that just this week uh, uh, to, to try to reduce the risks of that. I know other events are getting postponed as need be, and let's just remember to put it in, the, put it in context. That can be a smart thing to do. We can come back and, and make up for that, uh, those events, and do them later. Cottle provided an update on the latest COVID-19 numbers during last Friday's local coronavirus press conference. All 92 counties are are in an orange or red advisory. 
We did have a slight decrease this week. We have 260 cases per 100,000, which is down from 279 last week. And we had a slight decrease in positivity as well. Now, when I look at those numbers today, I would say that we're gonna be in that same ballpark, probably hovering between the this week and last week, if our numbers hold true. Our fully vaccinated rate is 58.7%, fully vaccinated and 59.2% have received a first dose. So we are nearing the rate of uh, fully vaccinated that we had prior to adding our five to 11 year olds into our eligible populations. So we wanna continue to see that rise and we're glad that we're seeing people uh, interested in getting those vaccinations. This past quarter, our public health clinic has given over 6,000 vaccinations with over 2,500 of those being in children five to 11 years old. That, that is our public health clinic. That is not talking about other venues, pre providers, pharmacies, mobile clinics. Cottle advised residents to take precautionary measures ahead of the holidays as increased travel could lead to a higher chance of transmission. It is a good opportunity as we come up to the holidays to get your booster, to get a test if you need it, or to even start your initial series of vaccine before those holiday gatherings. On Monday through Wednesday this week, the Indiana State Department of Health will offer a testing and vaccination clinic from noon to 8 p.m. at the Switchyard Park Pavilion at 1601 South Rogers Street in Bloomington. All vaccines, rapid antigen, and PCR tests are available on-site. Cottle reminded residents to visit coronavirus.in.gov for testing purposes and ourshot.in.gov regarding vaccines. When Friday's COVID-19 press conference took place, the Omicron variant was not yet identified in Indiana. However, Caudill predicted the variant would soon arrive, and she urged folks to get the vaccine. She said unvaccinated people are at higher risk for hospitalization and death from COVID-19. In November, the Indiana Department of Health did report that 81% of the COVID cases, 82% of COVID deaths, and 94% of COVID hospitalizations were in those who were unvaccinated. Breakthrough cases are still, they do occur, but they are still a very small percentage of all the cases. A recent study from the Commonwealth Fund found that if there had been no COVID-19 vaccine available in the US starting last year, there would have been an additional 1.1 million deaths and over 10 million hospitalizations in the US. As holidays continue to be celebrated and we, we make our plans to gather with family, I ask that you take a moment to pause, assess the risks around you, and do what you can to reduce the risk of illness, not only to yourself, but also to those that you care about and gather with. And I wish you a safe and a healthy holiday. County Commissioner Julie Thomas shared Caudill's concerns on the virus before the holiday season. She encouraged residents to continue wearing masks and to receive the vaccine if they have not already done so. This is a really uh, important time in our community and across the state and the nation. 
Uh, I just want to first and foremost thank all of those who put um, the community first in everything that they do. And it starts uh, with our um, healthcare workers um, who have just done a heroic feat in keeping us safe. And we cannot thank them enough, but the best way to thank them is to get vaccinated and to wear your mask when you're out um, outside in public, um, in a public space. Um, that's going to be what's really important here. And it's just a good reminder. Um, we really appreciate having another vaccine clinic, um, which is excellent and excellent news. And we do encourage those who have not yet been vaccinated to please um, utilize that service. Meanwhile, IU Health's South Central Region President, Brian Shockney, says the hospital system has seen its highest number of patients since the pandemic began. IU Health President Brian Shockney shared that this week is the one-year anniversary of the first COVID-19 vaccine administered in Indiana. This week, the IU Health system as a whole experienced the highest COVID-19 inpatient census since the pandemic began, while we also celebrated the first year, one-year milestone of the first vaccines given in the state of Indiana. We didn't think one year after the vaccine became available, we would see our highest COVID-19 volumes to date. That just seems unreal that we have a vaccine and we're and we're in this state of highest numbers of inpatients in our hospitals. Statewide, positive cases by day are starting to level off, which tends to be followed by a similar trend in the following weeks in our hospital inpatient numbers. While we're cautiously optimistic, the holidays with its related parties and family get-togethers are here. It's imperative that we all take precautions during this time. Um, our January and February can be a good January and February and not the same as December if we do the right thing. Indiana University Chief Health Officer Aaron Carroll reported on the Omicron variant and what IU expects in the next few weeks. You know, clearly everybody's concerned with uh, both increases in cases across the state, uh, as well as the fact that Omicron is, is likely already here, if not, will be here soon. Um, IU finished off the semester, or we're finishing off as we speak, um, reasonably stable. The number of cases the last two weeks have been quite stable and are lower than the week before, which is great. Of course, everybody is headed home uh, for the most part in the next day or so, uh, and today being the last day of finals. And so I expect the next few weeks to be reasonably quiet for us. Next semester, however, will be influenced heavily by, uh, you know, whatever Omicron seems like it's likely to bring. If you're looking at, you know, places across the country, it is clear that it is very rapidly spreading uh, and that, you know, we just did something we absolutely need to be watching and concerned about. Um, I expect that more data will be coming in over the next few weeks and we'll be continuing to watch that. But at the moment, uh, we're holding tight. We're going to be encouraging boosters strongly as we can, uh, trying to get everybody boosted if, you know, as soon as we can. The next COVID-19 press conference will be held on December 31st. Support for WFHB Local News is brought to you by MPI Solar a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. 
More information online at mpisolarenergy.com. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Cade Young and Noel Herhusky-Schneider in partnership with CATS, Community Access Television Services. Our feature was produced by Cade Young and Noel Herhusky-Schneider. Kite Line is produced by Mia Beach. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and The Social Climbers. For WFHB, this is your engineer and executive producer, Cade Young. And I'm Nikki Stewart-Ingersoll. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at WFHB.org. The WFHB Local News is also available as a podcast. Just search our call letters, WFHB, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe to never miss another local news program. Stay tuned for With Good Reason, coming up next on WFHB. Listening to the WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB Local News Volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB Local News Archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts, individual stories, and catch a live feed of the WFHB Local News. We are local, longer 